What's going on guys? It's Nick here. Back with another video. We've got another four teams on by this week, but uh, the teams are a little bit worse than they have been in previous weeks, so probably not going to hurt your teams as much. Falcons, Colts, Patriots, and Saints all on by this week, so if you have any of those teams, start making plans for that. All right, first up, we've got the Thursday night game, Bengals at Ravens, this game has a 46 point total and the Ravens are three and a half point home favorites for the Bengals side. Higgins is expected to miss again this week. Uh, Andre will also be out. That doesn't really impact a lot of things there, but their core three top three wide receivers are going to be Chase, Boyd and Irwin. The matchup is absolutely brutal. Uh, not only is this a Thursday game, which we in general should just assume is going to be lower scoring, going to be less efficient overall, but they're at Baltimore. Baltimore is, I mean, there's no consensus top defense, but they're inarguably a top five defense, let's say probably inarguably top three this season. And so you don't really want to be starting secondary pieces against them. Chase is the only must start. Uh, and you're probably playing Joe Mixon regardless of matchup. Uh, he is the single most featured running back in the NFL over the last month. So not expecting efficiency from him. Could easily have a bad game if he doesn't score. But he's getting so much volume uh, and so much of the opportunity for this team that you kind of have to just play him. Behind those two, Burrow grades out as a quarterback too this week. Uh, Boyd is my wide receiver 43 even after his big game last week and then Irwin ranks outside my top 50 so you know I do think you can start Burrow I think you can start Tyler Boyd um, but Baltimore's second pass defense WA first in yards per pass attempt allowed they've only allowed 173 passing yards per game against them so ideally you're sticking to Chase and Mixon but if you have to play Boyd have to play uh, Burrow that's totally fine then for the Ravens uh, since he has allowed the second most yards per carry, second most yards per reception in the league, they are 29th in rush defense, TVA 12th against the pass. So, you know, not a very good defense overall. Baltimore should be able to find success this week. Lamar Andrews must start every week, regardless of matchup. I know Lamar hasn't been amazing recently. That's basically all touchdown related. I mean, Gus Edwards has what seven touchdowns over the last three or four weeks. Like, that's mostly randomness. Lamar is eventually going to throw a touchdown. He's eventually going to run them in. They can come in bunches as well. He could run for two and throw for one this week. I think you just kind of have to play Lamar every week and live with that fact. Um, behind them, Gus, touchdown dependent running my two, who's been hitting recently, but we know the floor is very low when he does not score. And then Zay Flowers is a low ceiling wide receiver too. Relatively decent floor. Listen, everyone's floor is zero, but most weeks he's going to have a decent amount of points. Uh, it's just that like, you know, that ceiling of like, you know, eight for 120 in a score, he's less likely to hit a ceiling like that than most other wide receiver twos, but you, know, you kind of live with it. Uh, he's still a pretty decent play better in full PPR formats. Uh, the hope is that Keaton Mitchell will get more touches this week. It's the hope if you're not a Gus Edwards owner, uh, but that's my hope. He looks really good. I would keep stashing him, uh, but until we actually see the workload increase, you probably can't trust him, especially on a Thursday night game. I don't know. I probably wouldn't go there. Uh, the hope is he goes out there. He has like eight or nine carries. He continues to look good. And then maybe next week, we're looking to start him. Uh, he does grade out 34th right now, though. So if like you're super desperate, you could go there. No London game. No Germany game either. So kickoff's going to start at 1 o'clock Eastern. We're going to have Cowboys at Panthers. 42-point total. 
Cowboys 10.5 point road favorites. For Dallas, all of Dak, Lamb, and Pollard are must-starts, with Jake Ferguson being a quality low-end tight end one, Brandon Cooks being a high upside flex play. Cooks has had a fairly disappointing season overall, but he's scored in three of the last four weeks, and he is coming off a really, really good game where like the connection looks solid. He was getting open, like he looked like what we thought he would look like all summer when we were like, well, if he's clearly their wide receiver too, if he's a great deep threat. Why wouldn't he be able to have these explosive games with CeeDee Lamb, you know, taking so much of the coverage away uh, from defense, so much of their attention away on that team? So we thought he'd have more. Hasn't been doing that as much, but uh, maybe this is a sign of things to come. He's That's probably going to be his best game of the season, let's be honest. But he's probably going to have some decent games moving forward. Uh, if you wanted to start him in the flex, I would be fine doing that. Or at wide receiver three, that's probably better. Um could easily go back to dotting, but I think that maybe that was something they can start leaning towards because, I mean, Gallup had a decent game last week. It was a long touchdown, but, you know, Cooks is pretty clearly their wide receiver too. Uh, and also, I mean, they're going to score around 30, so there's plenty of production to go around. Um, I also know Pollard's been incredibly frustrating. Uh, he yet again got unbelievably unlucky. Like, if I told you that, you know, Dallas was going to score seven touchdowns, that three of them would come on the ground— you wouldn't think, oh, well, actually, Pollard's just going to get tackled to the one-yard line. They're going to run one in with Dak, run one in with a wide receiver, and the backup running back is going to get a, a rushing touchdown as well. So even though this week they take on a Panthers defense, it's allowing the third-highest opponent rushing touchdown percentage. So among the percentage of touchdowns that are scored against the Panthers, only two other teams score or have rushing touchdowns scored against them at a higher rate. So... Who knows what's actually going to happen, but it's still another good spot for Tony Pollard. He still got red zone usage last week. They just happened to tackle him right before the end zone and then throw it on the very next play. Uh, so you're still playing him, but I get how it's very frustrating. Uh, for the Panthers' side, there's almost nothing to like. Um, Dallas is a negative matchup all around. I'm projecting only 1.6 offensive touchdowns. For the Panthers, uh, Adam Thielen is low in wide receiver too because the volume is really good. He could easily have a very good game. Especially in full PBR, I mean, he can rack up, you know, 10 receptions. Uh, Chuba Hubbard, you know, he can be played as like a, a very low-end running back too. But besides that, I mean, you're probably just fading this entire offense besides maybe Chuba. Uh, but then I think Thielen's probably still a decent start. Um, I would say better in full PPR though. Next up, we've got Steelers at Browns. An absolutely disgusting 34 and a half point total. I don't know what the lowest of the season has been, but it has to be around there if it's not that game. Uh, and then Browns are two and a half point home favorites, despite this is after like the markets had time to react of Deshaun Watson being out for the rest of the season. So taking that into account, they are still two and a half point home favorites. For the Steelers side, Jalen Warren got 15 carries to Najee's 16 last week. That was a lot of usage. Obviously, it helped that they were winning, but I think the point is Warren's getting work on the ground and basically splitting at this point with Najee Harris. Um, yet again, he outproduced him too. If you like give both Warren and Najee the same amount of workload, Warren is going to perform better on those touches. Uh, my preseason prediction that Warren would outscore Najee despite being like 10 rounds later in fantasy is currently alive. It's coming true so far. Warren just surpassed him in half PPR scoring last week. Unfortunately, even though plenty of us might have 
Jalen Warren, it's a dreadful matchup. Uh, they are road underdogs. This is the lowest total game of the week by a considerable margin. Uh, there are not going to be very many yards or touchdowns to go around in this game overall on both sides. Uh, and then you think, you know, the Steelers are the underdogs in the lowest total game potentially of the year. I'd have to check on that one. But point is, not a lot of points or yards that are going to be expected in this one. Uh, Najee, Warren are 29th and 30th right now. I would just consider them both, for running back, obviously, I consider them both uh, just low-ceiling plays. Plays that, like, yeah, they're going to get some touches. If you really need them, you really need someone to go out there and get you, like, seven. Sure, uh, the ceiling on both of them is not very high. Uh, Last week, they were at home against the 22nd-ranked rush defense. This week, they're on the road against the number one-ranked rush defense in terms of DVOA. For pass catchers, uh, it's kind of also a stay away. Cleveland's allowing the lowest passing yards per game against them. And with Pat Fryermuth back this week, you're adding just another player into the split of just a very, very small pie, right? We always talk about opportunity on an offense, like basically as a pie. And the more players you're splitting it amongst, the smaller everyone's piece is. If you've got a massive pie, who cares how many pieces are being split? Everyone's getting a lot. We've got a very, very small pie for the Steelers this week, and we're adding in another player that's going to split it. Not that great. Uh, I would honestly be fine benching all Steelers players this week. Then for the Browns, uh, they are also part of this gross game environment. Like They don't get to escape that, right? But at least they're the home team. At least they are favored right now. Um, We know that Watson, again, done for the season, so they're going to have poor quarterback play. We can't expect efficiency on offense. Jerome Ford is their best play, but he's still only a low-end running back, too. Um, David Njoku's find a stream, like a you know, low-end one, high-end tight end two. Amari Cooper, fine as like a low-end flex play. Um, you could play Kareem Hunt at like running back three or second flex if you want to pray for a touchdown. But overall, if you've got a player in this game and a player in literally any other game that you're trying to decide between, I would just lean away from this game. It's not a good spot. I'm not expecting much production. Next up, we have Bears at Lions, 47.5 point total. Lions, 9 point home favorites. For the Bears, Fields is expected back, uh, which is just going to increase everyone's ceiling. Um, There's still a chance they have a bad game, right? They've had plenty of bad games with Justin Fields, but the ceiling when he's quarterback is much higher for the offense. Unfortunately, you know, the matchup against the Lions is very difficult. Chargers went off last week, so, you know, any given week in the NFL, right? Anyone could still go off against the Lions. We've seen multiple teams actually have really good games against them. Uh, I'm not expecting the Bears to join that group. The Lions do have a very, very strong run defense, and they play man at a very high rate, and so they reduce catch rate, increase yards perception a bit, right? Because if you're forcing teams to throw the ball a little bit deeper downfield, that's going to increase yards perception. But they're a good defense overall. I think that's the, the main point here. And I don't expect uh, the the Bears to just come in here and dominate. So when I also imagine that Khalil Herbert is probably back this week, definitely check on that. Because if he's out again, we will still like Foreman a little bit. But if Khalil Herbert is back, the backfield feels like a stay away. Then you look at the passing attack and you're like, okay. Like, I mean, Justin Fields is in play every week. He could run for 100 and a score throw for even only 150 and two scores and he's all of a sudden an amazing play um but definitely not in a high-end option this week dj moore solid wide receiver too but but not like an amazing play cole comment 
solid tight end one, but not an amazing play. I could definitely see, you know, one of those two scoring a longer touchdown and being a good play, but I would be surprised if both of them had really good games. So you're probably starting more. You're probably starting Comment. And if Fields was your guy, you're probably starting him as well. Uh, but no one grades out as a must play. Um, and honestly, all of them have, you know, a much lower chance of hitting their ceiling than they normally do this week. For the Lions, Goff, St. Brown, Laporta, all must starts. Gives Montgomery, I don't want to call them must starts because maybe you have an amazing running back core, but they're pretty strong plays. I would be surprised if you're benching either one of them. The Bears aren't a good matchup, right? They've allowed the lowest yards per carry among any team against them. They're also allowing a very low rushing touchdown percentage against them. So teams are not choosing to run the ball in the red zone against this team. They're not finding success there, and they're being very inefficient when they do run the ball. So it is a bad spot for running backs, uh, but the Lions have such a good rushing offense and such a good offense overall that I don't really think that matchup is going to matter. I think we're just starting these two no matter what. Next up, we've got Cardinals at Texans, high 47.5 point total. Texans, four point home favorites coming off their second straight win and their second game in a row scoring 30 or more points. They are rolling right now. For the Cardinals, Houston is a negative matchup in terms of running back efficiency, but only one team allows a higher opponent rushing touchdown percentage against them. They've also played some, you know, pretty mediocre running backs this season that have scored. They've let, um, I don't want to call like Rashad White mediocre, but Rashad White was never scoring touchdowns, gets two against them. Mixon was struggling with touchdowns. He scores against them. Like, you don't necessarily see efficiency on the ground against Houston. Actually, you don't see it. You see inefficiency. But when teams get into the red zone, they run it a lot. So I should expect, or we should expect, rushing touchdowns from the Cardinals this week. That could still come from Kyler. Kyler could steal touchdowns. But James Conner has historically been pretty good at the goal line. He's someone they trust at the goal line. I think his chances of scoring this week are pretty high. I would play him again. He's probably not going to be efficient, but I think his chance of scoring is really good. Um, only other three really considering here are Kyler, Marquise Brown, and Trey McBride. I think, honestly, like, you know, McBride, we're just playing at this point. Like, I think you're just playing him until he doesn't see a monster target share. I thought that, and it is true, Dobbs has a very high tight end target share. So, like, whatever team Dobbs is going to be on, he's going to target the tight end aggressively. That's why it's so good for TJ Hawkinson now for the Vikings. I thought that would drop a little bit more with Kyler because Kyler actually has historically a very low tight end target share. But he's still, even last week, uh, McBride had a billion targets. I think just keep playing him until he doesn't see a lot for like a few weeks in a row. Um, so it really comes down to Kyler and Marquise Brown. And that just depends on what else you have. I'm fine using either one of them. If you have no other options and you want to play Kyler, absolutely. If you picked up Kyler and you have like Josh Allen or something like that, like now it's more of a discussion, right? But if you picked up Kyler to be your guy, nothing about this matchup is making me say, no, definitely don't play him. And then Marquise Brown is, you know, high upside flex play, um, hoping the target share goes up higher. But let's be honest, he was like an inch away from what, like a 30 or 40 yard touchdown last week. If he converts that, we're not really considering as much him as, you know, uh, we're probably considering him more as a wide receiver two than a flex play. And you probably would be less hesitant about playing him. We'll say that. Uh, and he was like wide open on this play. So uh, high ceiling flex play. I feel perfectly fine playing him. Then for the Texans, um, a lot depends on Nico Collins, depends on Damian Pierce. I don't know if they're going to play this week. We kind of just have to wait and see on Thursday, on Friday, what's going to happen there. Um, 
Stroud is a must-start to me no matter what. I don't care which one of those two is playing. Play him. Uh, but the status of Collins and Pierce matters a lot for everyone else. If Pierce is out, Singletary is a great play as a high-end running back, too. If Pierce plays, I think, honestly, I would still play Singletary at running back, too. He'd just be a more low-end running back, too. But I would assume Singletary would still be the 1A in that situation. I don't think Pierce would come back after such a great week from Singletary and take back that job because Pierce hadn't been playing that well before. Um, then if Nico is out, Dell's a great start. Definitely play him again. And then Noah Brown would be an awesome option in the flex. If Nico is back, then I'd still start Dell. I think I'd start him no matter what. But then Brown would shift back a little bit. He'd be more of a boom-bust option. Still someone you can use in the flex. Maybe better in the second flex or at wide receiver three. Uh, but would still be fine to use in the flex because he's honestly been amazing recently. Uh, oh, and then Schultz. You're probably playing Schultz either way. I will know Arizona is a plus matchup to all positions except for tight end. The really difficult matchup for tight end. So I think you're still playing him, but lower chance that he hits his ceiling than usual. Next up, we've got Raiders at Dolphins. 46.5 point total. Dolphins massive. 12 point home favorites. For the Raiders, uh, we're really only considering their core of Jacobs, Adams, and Myers. Jacobs and Adams are must-starts for me this week, while Myers is like a, a really strong flex play. His target share has definitely dropped in recent weeks, but it's still at 22% on the season. He's still at 13.3 expected points per game. Both of those very strong numbers. Um, he's also got a really good red zone role, which is like the opposite of what we saw in New England. They, for some reason, decided not to use him in that area. Um, I still have him ranked 36th right now. And again, we knew he was going to have a bad game last week. They were playing the Jets. We said not to start him. No one expected him to be good. So it's not just like, oh, you know, can't play him because he's not involved anymore. It's against the Jets. Like everyone has a bad game against the Jets. Um, but it depends on what you have. If you have, you know, only two wide receiver spots in one flex, and you've got three top 20 options, don't play Jacoby Myers. But if you need him, if it's really close, I would feel comfortable starting him. Then for the Dolphins, basically start everyone. I mean, they're implied to score just under 30. I have them projected for just under four touchdowns, which is insane for a projection because projection is basically like average. You know, we're saying like there's a very realistic chance they score five touchdowns this week, which is just crazy for an NFL offense, especially this season. Uh, Tua, Hill, Waddle, A-Chain, Mostert, they should all be in starting lineups. Obviously, that's assuming A-Chain is active and playing, right? But Mostert becomes a must-play or becomes an even better play if A-Chain is out for one more week. Um, obviously, no, they can't all go off. Not all of them dropping 115-2. But you basically have to play all of them because they all have weak-winning ceilings. And whenever someone has a weak-winning ceiling on a team projected to score 30 and they're having a good season, they project pretty well, like you put them in your starting lineup and you live with sometimes having that dud because sometimes they're going for 150 and a score. Next up, we've got Giants at Commanders. Low, 37-point total. Commanders, 9.5-point home favorites. For the Giants, only player that you're really considering is Saquon Barkley. Uh, I would play him as running back one and I would bench everyone else. I really don't even care how deep a format you are in. Uh, he definitely has a low floor just given how bad they are, but he's going to dominate the touch share. If they ever make it into the red zone, he's going to be who they're leaning on. And so you just have to play him if you got him, but I would be selling high on him this week. Then for the commanders, uh, it's a great spot for Brian Robinson uh, and just like overall efficiency on offense. The commanders are definitely a pass first team that hurts Brian Robinson's carry totals, but 
Uh, I would get them to starting lineups this week. They are projected to win this game by you know nearly a touchdown and a field goal. That doesn't happen very often for the Commanders. If they can get up by multiple scores, we could see a really big game for Brian Robinson. Uh, Sam Howell is also a good streaming option. Obviously, he's at risk of you know if they get up big and run the ball. The pass attempts that he's been seeing, you know, forty plus pass attempts per game, um, that could not happen. But we could also see them score four touchdowns, and if he has three of them, he's going to be a really, really good play. Um, and I honestly think that translates into Terry McLaurin. Has a low floor if he doesn't hit and then the volume goes away, but my guess is the volume's going to be there. Touchdown chances are there. I would play McLaurin at wide receiver two. Everyone else is kind of a fringe option. We don't need to go to Gibson. And then Dotson had been seeing really good usage. We see his target share crater last week. Um, it really is unfortunate they can't get him more involved consistently week to week. Uh, but you know, until we see that production happen consistently, I just don't really trust it. I don't think I would play him. And then Logan Thomas, find a stream, uh, but the matchup is poor and he hasn't really shown a ceiling this season. So if you really need like four for 40 with a hope of a touchdown, go to him, uh, but he's probably not going to have a big game. Next up, we've got Chargers at Packers, 44-point total, Chargers, three-point road favorites. For the Chargers, uh, Eckler, Keenan Allen, must-starts, while Herbert is a very strong start. No one else really grades out all that well. Uh, only other player you're really looking at is Quentin Johnston, Everett, Parham, uh, but you know none of them have consistent enough or high enough target shares to really trust. They're all below 10% on the season and while we've got Quentin Johnson trending up because you know Mike Williams done for the season uh Palmer could be done for the season but at least for the next few weeks he's out like yeah trending up but he only has one game over four targets he's yet to top 50 receiving yards in a game uh he only has one touchdown overall so he just he needs a little bit more time to develop I think it's going to take the off season um I think there's a chance that over the next few weeks he starts to break out but my guess is next year that's where we more be looking at him in fantasy uh, i don't think you need to start him this week for the packers um i would start aaron jones whenever he's healthy um some matchups i guess maybe we'll go away from him but he's aaron jones he's good enough to where i don't really care what the matchup is play him uh, other than that no packers really all that appealing uh we talk about the pie again right another team small pie a lot of people getting slices uh jordan love Musgrave, sure, you can stream them. You could play Watson, Dobbs, Reed, all in the flex, ideally the second flex spot or the wide receiver three spot. But Aaron Jones is the only one I would feel good about. And you got to know with everyone else, the floor is low. The ceiling isn't super high and they're going to need a touchdown to pay off. And that's never ideal. I'd prefer everyone that I start each week. It's never going to happen right for everyone, but I prefer everyone I start to be able to be like, okay, even if they don't score, they can be a really good play. I just don't see that with people on the Packers right now. They need a touchdown to be a good play. Without it, they're scoring like five fantasy points, and that's not great. Final one o'clock game is going to be Titans at Jaguars. This game has a lowish 40-point total. I guess not even that low for the season. And then Jaguars, six and a half point home favorites. For the Titans, uh, it's a good spot for the passing attack, bad one for the ground game. That's not what the Titans want to hear, right? They want spots where it's great for the ground game and bad for the passing attack. Um, you still got to play Derrick Henry every week. Uh, Hopkins is still a very strong flex play, even after his dud last week. Uh, but other than that, you know, 
there's not a lot to like on the Titans side. And even those two, I think you're starting both of them if you have them. You're definitely starting Derrick Henry because the ceiling is so high. But Henry only grades out 20th. He's not having a huge um, opportunity share on this offense. And then the matchup isn't that great. Uh, and then, you know, Hopkins is 26. And I'm only projecting 1.35 offensive touchdowns for the Titans this week. It just doesn't feel like a week where Titans players are going to do all that great. But if you've got one of those two, you have to play them. That's fine. Uh, would not go to secondary pieces there. On the Jaguar side, Etienne's a must start. I know it's a bad matchup, but you have to play Etienne. Uh, Kirk, Ingram are very strong starts. Um, I will note on Ingram, though, very low ceiling play. One red zone target on the season, none inside the 10-yard line. Titans are elite against tight ends. You know, he's a very high floor play, which you can say about basically zero tight ends is their high floor play. But he's probably going to get you like... 9 to 10 full PPR points, but also probably not going to score. And so his range is really like, you know, 8 to 13, 14 points. He's probably going to be in that range in full PPR, uh, which is fine. But if you need ceiling, you're not really going to him. Kirk, on the other hand, um, been really good this season. He has shown a good ceiling. Uh, the matchup sets up much better for him to see high volume. So I would definitely start Christian Kirk. Um, then if you're looking at Ridley, at Trevor Lawrence, you know, Neither one of them stand out. I would probably find someone else to stream if you have Trevor Lawrence. And then Ridley's been, you know, incredibly disappointing this season. I mean, Lawrence Lawrence has been a straight-up bust, but Ridley's been disappointing. He's had good games, but way worse of a season than we are hoping for. Um, I just think, you know, he still has the talent, still has the potential to where if you had to play Ridley in the flex as a boom-bust play, knowing that, you know, 2 for 30 is absolutely in his range of outcomes— but that, you know, 8 for 100 a score is also there. Um, I think he's totally fine to play there. Uh, and again, I just want to reiterate, bad matchup for Travis Etienne. But he's the third most featured running back over the last month. Ninth in expected points per game over that time. Matchup doesn't matter as much when you're getting a billion touches. And he's super explosive. He'll probably be inefficient overall. But then if he busts a big play, it's going to be good. I think you have to play him. Four o'clock games kick off with Bucks at 49ers. 41 and a half point total, 49ers, 11 and a half point home favorites. For the Bucs, uh, San Fran is a positive matchup for wide receivers, but mostly negative overall, or mostly like negative to neutral overall. And then um, wide receivers, it's positive more because they force teams to throw it so much that like wide receivers aren't efficient, but volume kind of flows their way. Um, I do think you're playing all of Evans, Godwin, and Rashad White this week, especially because of that game script. They all kind of benefit from if they go pass heavy, well, that's who they're throwing the ball to, and so receptions can really rack up. Um, but I would say they're all kind of lower-end plays because I'm not expecting the Bucks to go out there and score 30 real-life points, right? They're 11 and a half point underdogs. We could get into a situation where San Fran's up two scores in the second half. They run it a ton and plays are limited overall. White is my running back 21. Evans is wide receiver 24. Godwin, my wide receiver 33. So do with that what you will. See what else you have, how it compares to those numbers. And then Otten, tight end 18. I know he had a big game like two weeks ago. Um, touchdown or bust. Uh, very low ceiling play. Uh, very, very bad matchup. Probably wouldn't go there. Then for the 49ers, um, all their starters are must plays. So McCaffrey, Ayuk, Debo, Kittle, all must starts. Um, Purdy's my quarterback 10, so he's a great streaming option this week as well. Tampa Bay has a strong run defense, and that forces teams to pass against them. That matters very little for San Fran. They're going to kind of do what they want and probably be successful in doing that. Um, 
all their starters. The same thing I say with other teams as well that are really good, like Miami. You know, all of San Fran's starters are not going to go off, but all are set up well. All have good ceilings. All should be in your starting lineup. Jets at Bills is up next. Low 40-point total. Bills 7-point home favorites. For the Jets, they cut Michael Carter so they could get Izzy Abanaconda. I know I'm saying the last name wrong. Someone remind me of how exactly they say that, but Izzy, uh, they want to get him more snaps. Um, my thought on that is, well, like, I mean, Carter was basically just getting, you know, change of pace, third down snaps, and they kind of look at Izzy being like, you know, that's what Izzy is. Like, he he's maybe not as good in the passing game as Michael Carter, but I would imagine that workload shifts over to Brees Hall. So this is a positive for Brees Hall. And if they kind of just try and get Izzy like a few carries each game, try and have him hit for big play. Cause that's basically what he can do is provide potential big plays on offense. And the jets are obviously looking for more explosive plays on offense. Um, I don't think this matters that much overall, but basically Brees is a slightly stronger play now. Uh, but only two players are playing on this offense are Brees Hall and Garrett Wilson. You are playing them and I would bench everyone else. Then on the Bills side, uh, they fired their offensive coordinator, even though, you know, the players should be taking a lot of the blame for their struggles right now. Um, I understand why they did it, but a lot of things that happened recently that were not on the offensive coordinators, uh, they're not to blame offensive coordinator for. Um, we will see if usage changes, if, you know, especially player usage, like, you know, running back snap shares, um, running back opportunity shares, how they involve, you know, Gabe Davis and James Cook are probably the biggest two that we're looking at. Uh, but it's a matchup with the Jets this week. Let's not get too cute. We're not starting fringe players in the hopes that they turn things around and use players more. You play Allen, Diggs, and Kincaid. Uh, you use James Cook if you need him as a low-end running back too. My running back uh, 23 right now, so it depends what else you have. Uh, but I'm not in love with that play. Uh, and then, you know, matchup is tough enough where I don't really want to play Gabe. I wouldn't go to anyone else. Final floor clock game is going to be Seahawks at Rams. This one has a 46-point total. Seahawks, one-point road favorites. For the Seahawks, no one stands out as a must-play, but I'd be surprised if you weren't playing Ken Walker or Metcalf. They're both pretty strong starts. Um, we've been talking a lot about how the role is being reduced for Ken Walker, and he is living a lot more now off of these big plays, just like hoping that he can hit for like a 60-yard touchdown, right? Because the passing and volume is just not going to be there anymore, and the rushing volume is now getting trimmed down with Charbonnet there. Uh, but I think it's still at the point right now where you're probably playing him no matter what. Um, then Lockett, I think Lockett's a good flex option as well. I'd stick with him. He doesn't grade out amazingly, but he's always in line for touchdown, always out there for a big play. I would just keep him in your starting lineup if you've been using him. Uh, Charbonnet, JSN, they're having solid rookie seasons. Um, I think they're going to be useful for us in the future. I don't know if that future is this season really, but um, good players, just volume opportunity, uh, volume ceiling isn't really there for me to trust them right now. JSN would be the one maybe you lean towards as you know a wide receiver three in deeper formats in the flex or second flex spot. Uh, for the most part, you can probably bench Charbonnet and JSN, but probably keep them stashed on your bench. Definitely keep uh, Charbonnet stashed on your bench as a high upside play. Um, again, each super talented, but it's kind of tough trusting that volume. Gino's also a difficult player to trust right now. Um, came off a good game last week. We were definitely on him last week, but quarterback 18 this week. Uh, his numbers have definitely taken a hit since last season, and I'm not expecting as good of a game for the passing attack this week. Then for the Rams, uh, Kyron is a week away, at least from returning, but I think a week away. I think he's going to return next week. Um, so we should see Henderson. We should see 
Freeman split the workload again. Uh, Seattle is a plus matchup for every position. And so if you need to lean on them as a desperation play, I think it's fine to do so. Just understand, you know, I'm not expecting Henderson to go out there and have 70 in a score with multiple receptions, right? You're still praying for a touchdown from both of them. Uh, aside from the running backs, Cup, Puka, I think you got to start both of them. Uh, not a lot to both go off, but one of them is probably going to go off. Uh, it'd be pretty surprising if they lead a zero again. Um, these two just have unreal target shares as well. And so they take so much of the volume that everyone else could have a good game, but it's kind of hard to trust. Uh, so I would just play Puka and Cup for the passing attack, and then I probably wouldn't play Stafford. Sunday night game is going to be Vikings at Broncos. 43.5 point total. Broncos currently two and a half point home favorites for the Vikings. Um, we will see what the status of Jefferson is this week, but if he's active, obviously play him. Uh, and then if he's active, all of him, Dobbs and Hawkinson are must starts while Addison is a strong flex option. If Jefferson were to miss this game, you kind of bump up Addison to a locked in wide receiver too. And then Osborne would be, you know, a quality flex play. No one you have to start, but someone that if you needed to play would be totally fine to do so. Uh, and that's assuming he's back. Obviously the Broncos have improved a lot on defense since the start of the season, but they're still getting ripped apart on the ground. And the Vikings offense has proven that they can put up points against any opponent. Speaking of the ground game, uh, going to be interesting to see here. Pretty sure Madison is going to miss. And so they're down acres. They're down Madison. Um, I would imagine that Ty Chandler takes over uh, this week as their top back. I don't know if he'll be featured because do they activate other running backs? Probably, but how much should they go to them? I don't really know. They were already mixing in Ty Chandler before the concussion to Madison, though, so it's not like we're fully projecting this being like, well, maybe they'll use Ty Chandler. Ty Chandler is probably going to be the top back. It's just how much of a split is there going to be? I'd imagine we kind of learned that throughout the week, uh, but if everything holds right now and he's expected to be the lead back, he's probably going to be a running back, too, by the end of the week in the rankings. Then for the Denver side, a lot less to like. I mean, Javonta Williams has been great recently. The touches are there. Um, he looks awesome. You know, he hasn't been going off or anything, but he's had some really good games. He's now sixth in expected points per game over the last month. Again, hasn't hit for a monster game, but the volume is there. The talent is there. I think even a tough matchup, definitely play Javonta Williams. Behind him, you could flex Sutton or Judy with Sutton being the lean right now. He's playing better. Um, you could stream Russell Wilson if you had to, but none of them stand out. They're another one of those plays that it's like you're just really hoping for a touchdown. And then finally, we've got the best game of the week, Monday Night Football, Eagles at Chiefs, 46-point total, Chiefs, three-point home favorites. The Eagles, Hurts, Swift, Brown, all must starts while Devonta Smith is a boom-bust flex play. And then Goddard, I don't know if he's going to be back this week. If he is back, you're probably starting him because they wouldn't bring him back and then not give him a high snap share. Um, I think he's expected to miss one more week, though, so we will see on that front. It doesn't change anything. You're still starting Hurt Swift, or Brown if he plays or doesn't play. Um, it would impact Devonta Smith definitely a little bit, uh, but I think the analysis for Smith would be the same. Sure, he'd be a slightly better play if Goddard is out, but regardless, he's a boom-bust option. Uh, he's a player that, you know, if it's close between him and someone else, I would probably lean towards starting Devonta Smith because even though he could definitely have a bad game, so could everyone, and he's got a week-winning ceiling. Then for the Chiefs, uh, Mahomes and Kelsey are the only must-starts. Pacheco is 
probably the only one, the only other player considering as well. And even he's only like a low end running back too. There's just so many wide receivers that get like around 10% of the targets. And the Eagles are, you know, obviously a very quality defense. And so they're going to spread everything out. None of the wide receivers grade out that well. I mean, Rasheed Rice grades out the best, but, and maybe, you know, post by he gets that bump. But until we see that, it's kind of difficult to trust him. And then going back to the other running backs, it's like, well, you know, the Eagles are second in rush defense CVA. They're limiting yards per carry about about 10%. And so it's like, Pacheco is already not someone who's going out there and getting like 20 carries, like even 20 carries. He's not really doing that. He gets into upper teens at best. And so a touchdown dependent play, someone you can play, but really just a low end running back two and definitely a lower chance of hitting a ceiling than usual. So that is a breakdown of every single matchup this week. You can see my exact rankings and projections on my website, thefencefootballadvice.com. You can also see strength of schedule and opportunity data there as well. I added last week the strength of schedule for every single team by position for the rest of the season and in the fantasy playoffs. And so if you want access to that, uh, you can sign up for the site or anyone who signed up for underdog, whether you signed up you know, this week, in the future, over the offseason, whenever you sign up for the underdog using promo code FFA, if you did that, uh, you're also getting access to that content as well. I don't think a lot of people know that. So I'll be back on Saturday to go over my favorite underdog picks. That, my friends, is in this one. Hope you all did enjoy. If you did, hop on the like button, hop subscribe to the channel if you're new here. Thanks for watching.